0: This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allen temple slash donate. Thank you for listening. A scripture that was read came from the gospel according to St. Matthew. It was found in the 27th chapter and the reading was from the 62nd through to the 66th verse. Now, I want to read it again just so that we all are on the same page and understand what's going on. Verse 62 begins as follows, reading from the New American Standard Version of the Bible. Now on the next day, the day after the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate and said, Sir, We remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I'm to rise again. Therefore, give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead. And the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard, make it as secure as you know how. And they went and made the grave secure and along with the guard, they set a seal on the stone. On the evening of Jesus' death, Pontius Pilate permitted a rich man by the name of Joseph who asked of him the privilege of burying Jesus's body. With great care, Joseph, along with Nicodemus, gently laid to rest in a tomb hewn from a rock, the body of Jesus Christ. A great stone, we are told, was rolled to block the door, and with that, Jesus's earthly ministry had come to an end. In great sorrow and grief, Jesus's followers departed but unmoved by the events of the crucifixion and just as they had been unmoved by the many miracles that Jesus had performed the leaders of the Jews made haste To get to Pontius Pilate. They told him of all of Jesus's talk about rising from the dead and they urged the Roman governor to place a military guard over the tomb to keep the disciples from stealing Jesus's body. So Pilate gave them permission and the soldiers that had been assigned from the troops to these high priests sealed the boulder and stood guard. The reason the text tells us for their making this request, is so that Jesus' disciples would not steal the body and then claim that Jesus rose from the dead. Their contention was that if the disciples were to get away with this act, then the big lie would be much worse than the first lie. These leaders, with their cunning and conniving were trying to disrupt what they thought was a conspiracy theory concocted by that deceiver, Jesus. And so, in their futile attempt to suppress the truth, they did not know that they were active participants in what I have titled today's message, The Divine Conspiracy. Mm. The Divine Conspiracy. Let us pray. Most gracious heavenly and eternal Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, they tried to bury you, but they didn't know you were a seed. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you that when you got up, when you had germinated in the tomb, And you rose from that grave on that Sunday morning. We thank God that you have now borne fruit that allow us to be here today on this Sunday proclaiming you are risen. And so, Spirit of the living God, as we now enter into this sacred space of preaching and worship, we thank you for all those that are gathered here today. Let it be, O Father, that their hearts be open to the word not what I have to say, but to what you have to say. And even for those who are watching by way of technology, open up their minds too, that they too may comprehend the goodness and the wonder of who you are. And at the end of all of this, we will be so grateful to give your name the honor, the glory, and the praise for there will be resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The dictionary, in defining the word conspiracy, says that it is a secret plan by a group to do something unlawful or harmful. In other words, for a group of people to come together to conspire To do something that is against the law and which could cause damage is to engage in a conspiracy. Mm -hmm. Hence the clear derivative of the word conspire. To conspire then is to plan, to arrange, to plot to design, and to orchestrate something in such a secret manner so that only those who need to know or will have something of benefit to gain will have awareness. In other words, when you conspire, only the people who need to know will know, and those people who know will usually benefit from that knowing. (laughs) Did you get that? If you know what is being planned because you have been made privy to it, then it means that you have some benefit to gain when that plan is carried out. This makes you a part of the conspiracy because you know what you know. Now, while the dictionary is accurate in its definition of conspiracy, I think we need to draw a distinction between a conspiracy and a conspiracy theory. Conspiracy is for people who know. However, conspiracy theories are derived from the people who don't know. You see, when you don't know and you have not been invited to know, But believe you know that there is a plan being designed by others and you begin to think about the possibility of that plan, then your natural tendency is to develop a theory about that plan. And when you find people that may be thinking about the same thing that you are thinking about, then that theory about the plan being designed by others that you don't know becomes a conspiracy theory. To be clear, the people who know are privy to the plan to do something and they have a legitimate conspiracy for the people who do not know and are not privy to the plan, but think they know, they have a conspiracy theory. Are you following me? Let me give you some examples of some well-known conspiracies that are, that's now well-documented and what we know to be factual. Number one, the United States Public Health Service lied about treating black men with syphilis for more than 40 years. The United States government sold weapons to Iran, violating an embargo, and used the money to support Nicaraguan militants. A a public relations firm organized congressional testimony that propelled the United States government's involvement in the Persian Gulf War. These, my brothers and sisters, are not theories. They are actual and factual conspiracies because a small group of people engaged in a secret plan that did something unlawful and harmful. Well. They conspired to do harm and they carried it out. These are not theories. They may have started out as theories, but today we know that they are factual because evidence have been uncovered to show the truth. Now, let me give you some examples of conspiracy theories. So depending on where you are, you may or may not agree with me, but keep in mind that I told you that conspiracies are for those who know, and conspiracy theories are for those who do not know. Number one, some people believe the American military installation called Area 51 is researching and experimenting on aliens and their spacecraft. Some people believe that a group of Democrats and elites are attempting to undermine Donald Trump and his presidency through the Deep State and QAnon. Some people believe that the 2020 United States presidential election was rigged and stolen. Now whether these are true or not, I am not authorized to say, because I was not in the room where people met to discuss these matters, so I cannot and will not support people who were not in the room themselves, yet subscribe to these theories. And if evidence emerges later to prove that these are not theories, then great. But I refuse to peddle in spreading information that serves other people's agendas simply because I have an emotional feeling about the subject. Also, please keep in mind that a conspiracy theory is only an attempt to explain harmful or tragic events that has occurred as a result of the actions of a small group of people. Things like the sightings of Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster are not conspiracy theories. Those are just mere urban legends. So unless, hear me clearly, so unless there is an attempt to explain some kind of secret meeting of a group of people to mislead and cause harm to the public, then it is not a conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theories exist. I mean, people do stuff. But know the difference between a legitimate conspiracy and a conspiracy theory. I'm going somewhere, church. So now that we understand the difference between a conspiracy and a conspiracy theory, and we are clear that it needs a small group of people organizing to cause harm, let's now turn to our text. The 62nd verse in the 27th chapter of Matthew says this. Now on the next day, the day after the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate, and said, sir, we remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said, hm, after three days, I am to rise again. Therefore, give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead. And the last deception will be worse than the first Pilate said to them, you have a guard, go make it as secure as you know how. And they went and made the grave secure, and along with the guard, they sealed the stone. From this text, brothers and sisters, I'd like to draw your attention to three conspiracies and their corresponding conspiracy theories. The first conspiracy. In verse 62, here's what it says. It says that the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate. Here we have a small group that was coming together to conspire. They, these were the only people in the room where it happened, and they planned and discussed to do something. Now, the fascinating thing here is that their basis... And reason for the meeting was to make sure that they could guard and protect against what they felt was a conspiracy theory. Don't miss this, church. These chief priests and Pharisees were conspiring to guard against a conspiracy theory. How do I know this? Well, look at the text again. They said to Pilate, sir, we remember that when he, meaning Jesus, was still alive, that deceiver... That deceiver, he told a big lie. And he said, after three days, I'm going to rise again. In other words, in the mind of these Jews, Jesus' statement that he would rise again after three days, according to them, was a conspiracy theory that they wanted to debunk. (laughs) They knew the power of Jesus' influence over the people because they saw his works. But they also knew that his martyrdom, or his death, could be more effective in stirring up his followers. So as far as the Jews were concerned, they had a conspiracy, because they met in the room and discussed it, they had a conspiracy to guard against what they thought was a conspiracy theory from Jesus' words. They were not there when Jesus said, kill this body, and I'll raise it up again on the third day. They're going by hearsay because they were not in the room when it happened. The second conspiracy we find in verse 64 where we see more of the plan unfolding. Look again with me. It's all in the text. It says, therefore, give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal him away and then say to the people, ha, "Ha he's risen from the dead. Here we see the same group now asking Pilate to secure and seal the tomb and to make sure that it stays sealed for three days. What's interesting here is that these people in the room talking to Pilate, they were Jews. And so the sealing of the tomb is something that is not normal for Jewish people to do. In fact, if you know anything about Jewish custom, touching a dead body is anathema to them. They don't want to go anywhere near a dead body, right? You understand, you know, if if someone is dead and they touch the priest's robe, that priest is mortified. You know, God forbid one of y'all don't have not saved and you touch my robe. I'm just teasing. (laughs) The point that I'm making is they don't want to go anywhere near a dead body if they are true Jews. So why on earth do you think these disciples are going to want to come in, let alone break into a tomb? It's one thing to break into, the, into some, somewhere that you think there is something of value that you want to take out. It's another thing to say, I'm going to break into a grave. What on earth are you going to break into a grave to get that is of value? So these Jews, they, they, they seal the tomb. you got to be a really depraved person to engage in such a thing, because these were Jews. And they don't want anything to do. Any, they don't even want to be in the same room with a dead body. So the fact that they were planning this scheme is the second conspiracy that they were engaged in as an attempt to debunk a conspiracy theory that the disciples would even want <laughs> to touch Jesus' dead body and take it away. Are you following me? So so as far as the Jews were concerned, they had a conspiracy, because they met in the room, to seal the tomb in an attempt to guard against a conspiracy theory that Jesus' disciples were going to steal the body. Brothers and sisters, a conspiracy is when people come together with a plan and they try to execute it. When you don't know anything about the plan but think there is a plan It's a conspiracy theory, because you're not in the room where it happened. The third and final conspiracy is a bit more subtle than the previous two that I just shared. In the first conspiracy, the Jews and Pilate were responding to Jesus' own words that he would be raised on the third day after his death. In the second conspiracy, the Jews and Pilate conspired to seal and secure the tomb with guards so that the disciples would not steal Jesus' body. But look carefully now at the third conspiracy. This is what the Jews said. And the last deception will be worse than the first. That's what they said. The last deception will be worse than the first. The reason why I say this is a lot more subtle than the previous two is because they were conspiring against a deception to deceive by using a deception. Let me me say that again. (laughs) They were conspiring against a deception to deceive by using a deception. In their minds, they thought that Jesus first deceived the people by telling them that he would die but re-raised on the third day. This is why in verse 63 they referred to Jesus as the deceiver. But now they feared that Jesus' disciples would deceive the people for a second time by stealing his body and saying that he was raised from the dead, thereby causing the fickle people who love conspiracy theories to buy into the foolishness and cause an insurrection. So instead, the chief priests and Pharisees decided they would interfere with all of those deceptions by doing a third deception of their own, which is to seal the tomb and secure it with a guard. This third deception would aim to undo the other two deceptions of Jesus and his disciples just to make sure that the last deception would not be worse than the first deception. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So as far as these Jews were concerned, in this third conspiracy, they conspired to deceive those that they would believe the conspiracy theory that Jesus would rise on the third day. You see how convoluted this is? Brothers and sisters, when you get caught up in theories and lies, it is hard to know what the truth is. But Jesus said to all of us, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you believe in lies and deception, what Jesus is basically saying is that you are trapped in a place for which there is no out and there is no escape. But you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Brothers and sisters... I came today to tell you that while the Jews and the chief priests, the Pharisees and Pontius Pilate, the non-believers and the Gentiles, the soldiers and the onlookers, all believed that Jesus rising from the dead was a conspiracy theory. I came to tell you that it was no conspiracy theory. It was a divine conspiracy. It was a divine conspiracy because a small group met from the beginning. You see, from the beginning in that group was the Word. And that Word was with God. And and that Word was God. And that word was God in the beginning, and through him all things were made that was made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So a small group met to discuss the affairs of men from the beginning. Oh, I hope you're hearing me. I came to tell you, church, that it was a divine conspiracy, because that word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, and here it is, and truth. I came to tell you, it was a divine conspiracy because it would cause harm to those who would be perishing. Recall that I told you, brothers and sisters, that a conspiracy is for those who know. And a conspiracy theory is for those who Do not know, but think they know. Well, Jesus puts this to rest, and he lets us know that it was a divine conspiracy in John chapter 15, when it says, henceforth, this is Jesus' words, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known to you. This is no conspiracy theory. This is a divine conspiracy. Furthermore, Jesus says in John, the 25th chapter, These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs. But the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I will show you plainly of the Father. This is no conspiracy theory. It's a divine conspiracy. And finally, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the divine conspiracy. It is a plan arranged by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that will be a benefit to those who know and will believe. You see, for God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? And the evidence, the evidence of this divine conspiracy is proven because he got up (laughs) he got up he is risen so so in all their scheming and conspiring the Jews turned what they thought was a conspiracy theory into a divine conspiracy because they had evidence of the resurrection they actually helped make it come true in the best way possible for no grave can hold him no tomb can seal him i'm telling you that you could secure it as much as you want but three days later the earth shook and out came the son of man the fears as i prepare to close The fears of these religious leaders shows a profound characteristic of all fallen human beings in general, even in our time. Those who would deny the resurrection of Christ may even at some level be afraid, hear me, church, that what I am preaching might just be true. So there's a fear that if this is true, then I just might be on the wrong side of history. Many people today would go so far as to deny their doubts, certainly to us and probably to themselves. But if, as we believe, Jesus really did rise from the dead, then his resurrection threatens a spiritual earthquake in the life of anyone Who prefers not to answer or even to be loved by the risen Christ. So my brothers and sisters you can choose to believe in conspiracy theories and people who lean to their own understanding all you want. But because Jesus brought me into the room where it happened because Jesus saved me through his saving grace by faith for me it is no conspiracy theory Jesus died and rose again that is a fact and he's coming back again real soon that is another fact and for us who believe we shall see him as He is when we are caught up with him in the clouds. And this is what I know from the beginning. And it's God's divine conspiracy. So on this Resurrection Sunday, may we take time to pray for those who deny the resurrection. May we pray that their fear too, might be replaced with a joyous faith in the love of God that can only be found in the truth of Jesus Christ. That is the only place where we can truly say, I know that I know. Everything around us is falling apart. So many things are happening that we don't even understand. Whether COVID is man-made or not, I don't know. Whether there's a deep state and all that, I don't know. Whether or not there are aliens in Area 51, I don't know. Whether or not global warming is something that someone is figuring out in a back room somewhere, I don't know. But here's what I do know. Jesus died for you as much as he died for me. And all he asks me to do is to just believe. He's not telling me that I need to be more holy. I need to wear fancy robes to be better than anybody else. Because I'm telling you right now, I am the least of all of you that is in here. He arrested my spirit. God arrested my spirit. Who I used to be Is not who I am anymore. And he arrested my spirit so that I can preach a message to a people that he loves and he cares more about. That he doesn't want any one of you to die. So we can choose to believe what we want. But I choose to believe in him. His word is true. And all he says, just believe. Just believe. Just believe. If you like chocolate ice cream like I do before you got saved, after I got saved, guess what? I still like chocolate ice cream. And I love chocolate ice cream. So so my point is, brothers and sisters, we're not here to make you anything other than people who God has his eyes on. And all he says is just make this declaration of faith and you too will be part of his divine conspiracy for you are now in the room where it happens. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.